Welcome to Wisco Legacy. I'm your host, Corey Kundert. On Wisco Legacy, we talk to inspiring Wisconsinites to hear all about their life's journey. Monroe, Wisconsin photographer Ross Hareide joins Wisco Legacy today to talk about the journey that led him to creating his company, Second Crop Creative. He does a lot of really great work. He does a lot of nature pictures. He does videography work. He's got a really cool YouTube channel as well. Uh, Ross is awesome. He's got some really cool life experiences. He's traveled the world quite a bit. He's auditioned twice for the Blue Man Group. A really cool story around that. And then he's also auditioned for the TV show Big Brother as well. So we talked about that as well. Uh, Ross is awesome. Go follow his his work. He mostly puts things on Facebook and Instagram. Just look up Second Crop Creative. You will, you'll be able to find his images. If you like this podcast, please go out and follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Just look up Wisco Legacy. Also, if you like this podcast, head out to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating and review. That'll help us a lot. Without further ado, let's dive right into episode 23 of Wisco Legacy with Ross Hareide from Second Crop Creative. What's up? My name is Ross Hareide. I am the owner at Second Crop Creative, a local photographer from Monroe, and this is my Wisco Legacy. Ross, welcome to Wisco Legacy. Thanks for having me, Corey. Awesome. So you grew up in Edgerton on, on a dairy farm. Can you talk about your, your experience growing up there? Yeah, definitely. So yeah, just a little bit about my upbringing and my background. I grew up on a dairy farm just outside of uh, Edgerton in Albion, Wisconsin, uh, but I went to Edgerton schools. Uh, it was me, my older brother, my mom, and my dad. The way I usually tell people is I'm kind of a, a poster boy Midwestern kid. My, my dad's a dairy farmer and my mother was a bank teller. Uh, my brother is now an accountant, and I'm the black sheep of the family, the artist, designer, photographer, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, so that's that's just a quick background. Growing up on the dairy farm, though, for me, uh, I didn't appreciate it during that time, and that's probably what led me to be involved in sports, music, art, design, because I was doing everything I could to get off the farm. Uh, my dad was very lenient unlike uh you know you talk to farmers in the area they're like oh i gotta be up at five milking cows and then shower quick go to school i didn't have that my dad was like if you're involved in things go do that the farm will always be here uh so just you do you and then you know the work was always going to be there and you have your whole work or your whole life to work uh so i took that and ran with it it's like sign me up for sports (laughs) music art whatever I, i was covered in all all areas all seasons uh, so yeah, that's kind of kind of the quick and dirty of my upbringing on the dairy farm there. That's awesome to have to have that experience, and you learned a lot of hard work on on the farm there too. I'm sure. Oh, definitely. Um, like one of the things my dad would always say, you know, if there's work to be done, do it. You know, when I was was on the farm, uh, and so I always took that with me. And the other thing that the dairy farm really taught me is uh, to be self reliant. You know, if you break down in the field, you're plow a field or something you got to figure it out like and, and that was before the days of cell phones or looking something up on google it's like you just yeah you, you learn to work with what you had and then you just create a product from that and i like to take that mentality uh into my photography basically anything that i do in life did you develop your passion for visual arts and that creative side when you were a kid definitely definitely yeah so man I was just at my parents a few weeks ago and they were like, yeah, when you were like, my son is four. They're like, when you were uh, Winston's age, you were getting into drawing. And uh, my grandma worked at WPS in Madison every year. They'd have these drawing competitions 
I say drawing, but it's like, oh, they give you a coloring page and you, you color it and, you know, might win a gift card or whatever. And they said, you would always do that, but then you would add like little copy blurbs and like things on the side, like you would actually write a story to go with it. Uh, so yeah, from a young age, I was always kind of drawn to uh, being creative or like, you know, kind of living in my mind, using my imagination to basically entertain myself. And once again, that probably ties back to the dairy farm. It's you're out there by yourself. And if you're not having fun by yourself or entertaining yourself, I mean, it's going to be a long day. Right. And I, I don't know about your upbringing. Like, did you grow up and you grew up in the area, but did you grow up on a farm or have exposure to a farm? Yeah. So I, I grew up on a gravel road just south of Monroe here, uh, between okay. some, some farms and I had, uh, friends that grew up on farms and my uncle was a farmer over in Judah. So, uh, I was around farms quite a bit and I'd certainly appreciate all the things you're saying about growing up on a dairy farm. Um, Definitely. You know, even being in the country, it's, it's a different lifestyle than, than living in town. I live in town right now and, um, just being able to, as a kid, ride the bike down the gravel road and just be out in, in the wilderness was, was a lot of fun. Definitely. I've always said too, it would be really cool to see people are always like, Oh, what's one thing you like you should do before you die or whatever. It's like, I think everyone needs to have like a crash course, go live on a dairy farm for two years. Or like, maybe if you're, I don't want to say a troubled kid or like, uh, you know, having problems, but like when you go and you work in an environment like that, you do appreciate nature. You, you just appreciate some different things in life, you know, getting up at five every morning might sound like a drag, but it's like, you get to see the sunrise. Not a lot of people get to say that unless their current job uh, calls for that. So it's like, I don't know. I think there's something to be said about having an exposure to that. And if you had an exposure to it at an early age, like you do appreciate a lot more things. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. I mean, I had a crick, that flew, uh, was right by my house. I, I lived in the woods on a gravel road, so, nice. um, I could hear, hear cows mooing all the time and, and all that. And it was just such a, a great upbringing, uh, being, being out in the country. My parents recently moved to town and, uh, okay. it's, it's sad to see, uh, it was sad to see them head back to town, but it's, uh, I don't know. It was, it was a really great life living out in the country growing up. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So, you uh you've traveled the world from what it sounds like you you've done some exploring around around the world can you talk about some of the experiences you've had traveling oh sure where to begin uh i guess where does it start the first time i actually traveled out of the country i think it was kind of the last family trip that my family took you know it's hard for a farmer to take off and leave the cattle behind and everything so we'd try to take not a yearly trip but we'd take a few trips down to disney but when my when i was a freshman in college I believe I was a freshman in college. And my brother was, I think, either his last year or he was graduated. We took one last kind of family hurrah trip down to Mexico. We went to Puerto Vallarta and we just did some of the day excursions out there. And I really, really enjoyed that. So I was a freshman in college. Fast forward to the next year, uh, I was a sophomore in college and I actually studied abroad in Scotland. I did the program. They used to have it and I think they're bringing it back either this year or soon. It's called the Wisconsin and Scotland program. And it's a really cool experience because it's kids from all the UW systems in Wisconsin go live in a palace in Dalkeith, Scotland, and they do all their classes and they sleep in this palace. You have to clean like you're actually in charge of taking care of the palace. But then, you know, it's like for what I did, I was there for the summer. So I was there for two months and we had like a spring break in the middle there where you had 10 days off to go travel. Uh, so when I was there, we went to Ireland, we went to London, we went to Italy for 10 days. Uh, and so that's when I really, really appreciated uh, traveling and getting to know different cultures and different areas of the world. 
And then a few years later, I went to Kenya with a different program that was out of my high school. So Edgerton School District took a trip to Kenya and we built an international village there. And then the most recent trip was with my wife now, but girlfriend at the time. She actually taught in Cambodia. And then after she was done teaching there, I met up with her and we basically did a little tour of Southeast Asia and then ended up in Australia and they came back home. And then, you know, the pandemic hit and everything else and we, we haven't been able to do and kids too. kids came. So that kind of throws a wrench and everything. It's hard to get them on a plane. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've always appreciated, um, getting out there. And that, that's one thing that really opened my eyes and outside of, you know, I grew up on a dairy farm, Wisconsin in the surrounding area was kind of like my home base, travel a little bit within the United States, but it's not until you get outside of your comfort zone. Uh, and that's what I did when I studied abroad. It's like, I didn't really, I didn't know one person that was going, but I mean, you're just kind of throwing stuff to the wind there and being like, well, we're, we're going to go get jet lagged and see where this lands us. And it was a very life-changing experience. I, I can't put it into words. And I always say, if you have the opportunity or if it's going to cost you a little bit more to take out a student loan or something, I highly suggest doing it because it's invaluable. You learn a lot about yourself. Once again, the self-reliance, which I had already talked about being up on a dairy, growing up on a dairy farm, but there are instances where we got stuck in the tube in London and we had the tickets so the whole class that was living in that palace, their train tickets were with us and they were so furious with us and we had to figure it out. The, the cool part about that story is like, yes, we missed that train. We got on a different train and we ended up sleeping in one of the, the uh, castles that they filmed Harry Potter at. So it's just like you figure it out. And in the end, most of the time it's going to work out. And that's another mentality that I always like to kind of have. It's like you kind of just go with the flow. I hate planning things because things are going to change. And that once again, I hate to keep harping on the dairy farm was like, you can plan all day, but I mean, stuff's going to break down. There's going to be a wrench thrown into your day. You just got to roll with the punches and figure it out. And I think nowadays people are always looking for perfection or like they don't know how to handle themselves when stress hits. And it's like growing up on a dairy farm, traveling, if you do those things and you come out on the other end, you're going to be all right. Like that, that's the one thing that I think all that has taught me. Yeah, for sure. I didn't do any study abroad and I kind of wish I did. Uh, everybody I've talked to that has had that experience has said the exact same thing that even if it takes you a little bit longer to get through college or take out extra loans, just do it, experience the world. Um, so I, I wish I, I had that opportunity. So hopefully my kids one day will, will seize that opportunity. I was just going to ask you that. Do you have kids? Cause I don't know much about I, you. Yeah. Yep. I have two kids. I have a, a okay. soon to be three year old and a six month old, both. Girls. Okay. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. So my kids are, let me, uh, let's see here. Going to be, well, I got a six-year-old, a four-year-old and a going to be two-year-old. So I'm right there with you. But what I was going to say is like, it's never too late. It's harder with the kids, but like even traveling around the U S you know, if you're, it's different when you're like with your family, like when I say your family, like your parents and stuff, but like if it's you and your family, I think that's, there's still something to be said there because things are going to go wrong, right? You, there's things you can plan for, but then there's things that you can't plan for. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, so there's a video that I saw that you put together that kind of talks about you um, finishing up your, your traveling and becoming a parent. It's called a Thanksgiving love letter. It's it's really cool. You want to talk about that that video specifically? Yeah, so that, that's kind of like when things come full circle, right? So one of my things that I do like to do is kind of express myself in either photography or like through video, because I think it's very impactful and powerful. Uh, it's one thing I could, you know, that was kind of more of a letter to my family and my wife. 
just yeah and it was around thanksgiving so that's why i called it a thanksgiving love letter and it's just like you know there's a lot going on in the world even then even now every day people need to slow down and kind of appreciate what they have and uh you know a lot of days if you know being married and having kids is like you're in that day-to-day i don't want to say struggle but like you're in that day-to-day crap right and it just takes one day and one smile and a hug and saying you know you know i appreciate you or i love you and it's like you know i hadn't done that in a while it's like you know i'm going to kind of surprise my family and my wife with this and basically that video was just kind of like you know me figuring out who i am and in that struggle or in that discovery you know i've i've came upon my wife who we met at uh work a few like actually it's probably coming up on 10 years ago and then things change you know i never really dated uh i was always about me and then it's kind of about us right so then it's about us it's about us and then we start a family right we get married and start a family then it's really about us and it's no longer about me and it's no longer about her but it's about the whole family thing and i guess with that it's like one thing i want my kids to take too is like a you gotta appreciate the finer things in life you gotta appreciate one another uh, you got to help each other out. And at the end of the day, like family is all we got. So, you know, if anything else goes to crap or whatever, at the end of the day, you got each other. And that's kind of where, where that stemmed from. Um, I think, honestly, I came up, I think I did write it down first. And I'm like, I, this is just like a voiceover because I got all these video clips laying around from various years and photos and stuff that I can slice in here. This is kind of like, this would be a kind of a cool little uh, video slideshow I guess. And yeah, I just threw it together and I put it out there. Where did you find, was that on my website? I think it might be on my website. Yeah, it's on your website. I was, I was checking out your YouTube page too. You got a lot of awesome stuff out on your YouTube page too. Oh, thank you. On the website. Yeah. Thank you. Well, what was your, what did you think of it? I don't want to give too much of it away. Like if people want to go watch it again, but it's, it's kind of like a heartfelt thing, but what was your opinion Mm -hmm. on it? I, I really liked it. I I resonated with it a lot. Um, I think you, when you become a parent, your identity changes a bit. Yes. Um, when I, I struggled with my identity. I've talked about this quite a bit. Um, I was a three sport athlete growing up and it was really my entire life till I was 18 years old. Went to college, had, I, I struggled to figure out who I was for almost a decade. And then okay. I had, a, had my daughter and that's when I really realized who I, who I was and who I want to be is my identity as of right now is I'm a dad and I can see that through the transformation in your video, uh, that you really resonate with that. Um, I don't know who you, if you describe yourself as your identity (laughs) as like a photographer, father, whatever it is, but I can definitely see that that come through, uh, in that video. So I definitely resonated with it, uh, quite a bit. That's so cool because what you're touching on, it's it's actually a very important thing if we can stay here for a second because identity yeah. is huge, right? Because as you grow up, I think a lot of people and even through high school and even through college, like we don't know who we are, but it starts with us. So, and that's what we've always talked to and I'll be open, like we've been to like couples therapy and stuff just because it's hard raising kids. But mm-hmm. the one thing that I took away from that was it starts with you, there's you, and then there's the we, which is you and your spouse. And then it's you, your spouse, and the kids. So there's kind of like three layers. But if you if you can't figure out who you are, like the other two fall apart. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm glad that you brought that up because, yeah, I think a lot of people, and they don't talk about it. It's like when I remember when I was in high school and they're like, junior year, you got to start thinking about ACTs and where you want to go to school. So what do you want? What do you want to, what's your major is going to be? It's like, I don't know. Like I'm taking six art classes right now. Can I do something? Is there a way to make money with that? Let's put you down for graphic design. 
And so, yeah, just roping back my stories, like I went to UW Stout for graphic design thinking that, yeah, I'm going to make money doing that. And I am doing that, that my day-to-day job is actually, I work at Colony Brands as a web designer and I love that. Um, but my side passion and what I've always been drawn back to is kind of like the fine arts. So I was actually draw, uh, heavily into drawing and painting and printmaking and stuff like that. But the photography for me allows me to work that into my day-to-day schedule. My camera's always with me. I drop the kids off. I pick the kids up. Those are two photo opportunities I can take in a given day. And when I pick them up, it's like, all right, are we going to drive around today, try to find some deer or some hawks or something? And it's either a yes or no, like we're hungry. Let's go home. Uh, So it's just easy to work that into my day-to-day. So like, yeah, it's hard uh, to answer your question when people ask me like what my identity is or whatever. I think it depends on the situation. Uh, I'm a dad for sure. I'm a dad and a husband first and foremost. Uh, I usually just say like a, an artist, like a visual artist, photographer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, there's many hats, man. And that's, that's why yeah. I, we we're talking before. It's like, I like to keep this conversational cause I want to come off as, and I do think I'm humble, but it's like, honestly, it just it depends on what the, what the target audience is, <laughs> uh, how I describe it, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Um, I want to, I want to swing back to how you got to Monroe cause you're originally from Edgerton and we'll Definitely. brought you over here to Monroe. Okay, I'll do the, the quick story here. So I went to Stout, um, and once again, we are just talking about identity. I'm the Friday before I walk for graduation at Stout. So I have my four years at Stout. I'm about to graduate the next Saturday. Actually, it was the same Saturday morning. I came back from the bars. It was like 2.30 in the morning. I'm like, I, gotta, I don't have any jobs lined up. I got to start. I had been looking, but I, um, you know, I come back. Might have had too many drinks, but I'm on Craigslist at the time because that's you know, one of the places that you would look back then not to date myself, but 2010, that's where you're looking for jobs. And uh, I came across this, there was a place and they didn't even say what company it was or anything. They just said they're hiring 12 graphic designers for summer help. I'm like, okay, well, summer help could lead to something. And it said it was in, uh, I think Dodgeville, Wisconsin. So I looked it up and I was like, okay, that's, that's lands in is what it was. So hmm. I applied at three in the morning in hindsight, probably wasn't my finer moment sending a resume at three in the morning, but maybe they're just like, oh, this guy's dedicated. Like he's after it at three in the morning, he's up and going. Uh, long story short, I did get one of those positions. Uh, and for that summer, I was basically uh, working in Photoshop, color correcting for basically their catalogs. It wasn't the final stuff, but just for mockups. I'd been laid off there. Then I got hired back. It was kind of off and on. I got laid off one year on <laughs> April Fool's Day. But then anyways, there was an opening on web. So then I transferred to web. And then I was there until 2017. And I was coding the website for them. That's once again, one of the hats that I wear. I was kind of a web developer, actually a web coder, whatever you want to say. And then, um, my wife at the time was actually working at colony. And so she was looking to, I should back up at this point, we're living in Stoughton and we have, uh, like a one-year-old at the time. My, my firstborn was born in 2015. So one-year-old, two-year-old around that age. I'm driving to uh, Dodgeville every day from Stoughton. She's driving to Monroe every day from Stoughton. We're like, we got to make this work. So anyways, I'll shorten this up. My wife and I are looking for houses. She finds the current house that we live in in Monroe. She's like, yeah, I think I, I really like this. This is in the country because we were living in the city of Stoughton, which I was okay with, but it's not my, I'd rather be in the country. So when she found this house, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. I had at her last winter Christmas party talked to the HR person randomly because that's just the person I am having drinks. Oh, who are you? All right, let's chat up. And he told me about a program at Colony that helped with like home buying or whatever. 
And it just so happened that they had a position open up on their web team. So I applied, accepted the position, got the little help for buying a home down here. And that's what brought me to Monroe. Uh, so long story short, to answer that question directly, Colony Brands brought me here. It was work that brought me here. Uh, but I love Monroe. As soon as I was here for a week, I'm like, I'm at home. You know, it feels a lot like Edgerton. It's got that small community vibe. The community is very active. Like everyone here, I don't care where you're driving because I drive around, like I said, to take photos and stuff. Everyone's waving. It's like if they don't know you and most people don't because I'm not from here, don't matter. They're friendly. They're going to help you. The local businesses that I've worked with and get to know, I mean, they're awesome. And that's what I love. I, I want to be part of a community that has that kind of feeling. Yeah, for sure. I I went to college up in Madison. I went to Edge, or Edgewood College and uh, lived in Belleville for about a year and came back home and bought a house here and uh, got rooted back in here. And it's been awesome. I mean, like you said, Monroe, the community is so phenomenal. A lot of yeah. really great people and supportive and it's, it's a really great place to be. Well, they, so. they got you with your marketing because that sign that you're coming into town, into town, it says, we bring you back. I mean, yep. you're living it, right? And you're living it, Corey. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. So during this time, when did you decide to start your uh, second crop creative business? Yeah. So I don't know. Well, you kind of talked about when you became a parent or you struggled with your identity, right? So mm -hmm. I was almost kind of reverse. I was very comfortable with who I had been like at a very early age. But when it came time to, okay, you're going to now be a parent and you're going to be taking care of a little person. That's where I struggled. And I kind of had a, a minor freak out moment is <laughs> My wife would probably be like, no, I never sensed that. You're very calm, cool, and collected. <laughs> but like, I was just running the financials and I'm just like, I want to be sure that we're like, we're going to be okay. And in hindsight, we were okay. I think I was just too much in my head. But also, I wanted to kind of have a side hustle going. Like, I love doing photos and videos and stuff. How can I monetize that? Because I love it. And honestly, I'm going to do it for free. So why not get paid to do it? So it was right before, I think I could probably go back. I want to say my, my daughter was born in June of 2015. And I want to say I launched that website in May of 2015. And it was just, you know, because I wear multiple hats, I pitched it as art and design, web development. I'll build your website. I'll do photos. I'll do video. And what actually really stuck is I got into wedding videography of all things. Uh, but then from there, in acquiring gear for that, it really led me down the photography path. And like I said, it's just easy to take my camera with me every day and get photos and video. And so, yeah, 2015 is kind of when uh, that all came to be. And I, I do want to point out because everyone's like, oh, that's such a cool name. Like, where'd you come up with it? As a farmer, second crop alfalfa or like it's the best crop. And for me, it was kind of like my second attempt at doing like a freelance thing. So I'm like, this is just too fitting. Like it, it ties in with my roots. And unless you had talked to me, like most people don't know, they're like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, what is it like? What does it mean? And it's like literally for me, like second, the second crop of hay was always the best hay. So like I want to be the best. And that's that's kind of what I strive for. Oh, that's that's awesome. I actually launched the podcast uh, shortly after my second daughter was born, too. So I had that similar experience of let's get let's get something going on the side um, right around Definitely. the time the baby was born. So Definitely. that's That's really cool. Um, can you talk about some of the work that you do? Uh, and I know for me, I really got tied into your content based on a lot of the, um, I mean, you shoot a lot of deer and animals and stuff like that yeah. out, out in the wilderness. Um, can you talk about some of the work that you do? Yeah. So as you know, but people that don't know, I basically 
I'll, I'll kind of, this honestly took off probably at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, with three kids, it's like my wife's in business school. She needs time to study and just have time to herself. So I'm like, here's what we're going to do. Everyone get in the car in the middle of winter and we're just going to drive around. And that gives them an opportunity. They fall asleep. They're going to fall asleep and nap. And then, but it gives me an opportunity to kind of scout locations and not just scout locations, but like find compositions. Like I said, I always have my camera with, so it really started. And I think it's actually kind of a cool thing. And I was telling my wife, this is like, I think it'll be interesting to talk to the kids in 10 years and see if they remember like our pandemic car rides and just going and they get excited. We see deer, we see a hawk or we see a bald eagle. Dad, pull up, take a picture, pull over and take a picture. Um, so that's kind of when it really took off. And it's like, you know, we could do this every weekend, even if it's for two hours on a Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon. It's just kind of, once again, getting in that routine that that works for your schedule. I was talking to a college buddy and he actually was like, that's actually kind of fascinating and inspiring that you do that in terms of like working your passion into like kind of an everyday thing. And what I told you before is like, yeah, when I take the kids in and drop them off, there's roads in the area that I know is like, okay, there's usually a hawk or there's a kestrel here. The lighting might be different. If I come at this time of day, it's, it's going to be a little bit different. It's going to provide a different composition. Uh, and so that's what I'm usually doing. I'm driving around most of the time in the Greene County area just because it's within my home base, sometimes Lafayette, sometimes Dane and Rock, um, just looking for compositions, man, and taking my camera along and seeing what I can capture. Yeah, you've had some really awesome. You sent me a few pictures the other day uh, for promotional purposes, and uh, you got an owl the other day that was just on unreal. Yeah. Like, Can I tell you, you that story you, quick? Yeah, go ahead. I put it in the post. So I was um, actually taking my kids to swim. We go to Swim West in Fitchburg, but we're coming home to my parents, not home home, but to my parents in Edgerton. And as I'm coming around this corner, and as one of those instances where like I got to turn around because I'm like I think that was an owl and. <laughs> My son was with me the first time we saw the first owl that we ever uh, shot. We saw a barred owl actually in Green County off of one of the back roads. So I'm like, I got to throw this in reverse and put the hazards on. I'm looking, is there anyone back there? No. Okay. So we're backing up and I'm like, man, I could get out of the car, but it might spook him. So I think I tried to take a few shots like from the window, but I was positioned in a way because I mean, wildlife is skittish and the way that I'm shooting wildlife it's not conducive to getting compositions. Like I'm lucky if I get one or two shots because I'm usually people go out and kind of sit in a, a blind or in a hide and get their compositions that way. I'm literally driving around shooting from the car or quietly trying to get out and shoot quick. But anyways, I get out of the car and I got a few uh, shots off and then I took literally three more steps to the back of the car and he took off. And that's when I got the shots of him flying. Uh, but it's so it's, it's just, it's a fleeting moment. And I think I put that in the, the post comment or whatever. It's like, you know, I'm prepared and maybe that's why I'm lucky because I am prepared. Uh, but you, you got to have your gear with you to, to catch those moments. Cause otherwise, yeah, I can see it. Uh, but then I don't have the opportunity to share it with people, you know? And mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I, when I create art, I create it to be shared and I want people to see it and appreciate it. And maybe that's selfish or self-indulgent, but I, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I really like it. I mean, it, when I, when I see your posts come up on Facebook, Instagram, wherever I see it, um, it makes me pause a bit and, you know, I, I work in at home, so I'm in my house a lot of, t a lot of the day. And so yeah. it's really cool to just be scrolling through and I'll stop and pause. And it gives me that moment of kind of reflection of like, this is, this is really cool. I mean, I grew up in the, on a gravel road in the woods and I used yeah. to see that kind of stuff all the time. And now I'm like confined into my house all the time. So I really appreciate you throwing that, those pictures on. It helps me kind of. 
have a little <laughs> bit you, of the, the nostalgia. If you're like, um, there's actually a sheriff that follows me. I won't name a name, but he's the sheriff in the area. He actually came out to the house one day. He's like, I've kind of pinpointed where you lived based on, I'm like, I'm pretty sure you looked me up. I don't know if, if that's legal or not, <laughs> but anyways, we we're shooting the shit and he's like, it's cool because I'll see your post come up and because he's from the area and he's on patrol, he's like, I mean, this guy is like a map. I'll post a picture and I won't even have any detail. He'd be like, oh, that's at this intersection of this and this. And I'm like, I don't know how the heck you do that. But it's kind of cool because it's like, no, I appreciate your post because it's a game for him to try and figure out like where it's at. And I was going to say for you, too, because you grew up in the area, some of the locations probably make sense to you. And you're like, wow, I've seen that, but I've never seen it in that light or I've never seen it in that composition. Because the other thing, too, is what I'm, I'm usually got my super telephoto with. So it offers a unique perspective, even if I'm shooting barns or stuff, it, it creates this compression. Um, and it's hard to explain if you're not familiar with photography, but basically it's so focused down and so compressed, like it's just a very unique look at things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've noticed that in uh, in some of the pictures you've had it. I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know if um, it's how you're taking the pictures, the equipment you have, or I know you you use Lightroom and things like that for editing purposes. You probably yep. spend a fair amount of time uh, on the back end doing some editing too. Um, do you want to talk about your creative process, I guess, around yeah. around those? Yeah, for sure. So quickly, I'll go over the gear. I switched to Sony gear. Man, that must have been two years ago. I think it was right before the pandemic. And uh, so basically, and the way I've always seen my gear is it's an investment. So I had sold off all my Nikon and all my Micro Four Thirds stuff. And it re- I, you really don't lose money. So if people are listening and uh, they want to get into photography and they're like, I can't because it costs too much. The initial upfront cost, yes. But that gear is going to retain its value and you'll sell it for just as much, if not more, on eBay or Marketplace or whatever. Uh, so I just switched to Sony. I got that Super Telephoto. That was my one of my more recent big purchases because it was a pricey piece of glass. Uh, but I had saved up birthday money. I had saved up gig money because uh, I another thing, I, I was drumming in one of the local cover bands from my hometown. I was a drummer there until the pandemic hit. And our third child was born, but I saved up money there. So that's what I start off with is the Sony gear. Uh, and there's no, I shot Nikon, Canon, Panasonic. There's, I just switched because I, I wanted to. And then, yeah, I go out and shoot. I come home, basically put it into the iPad, go through and pick the ones that I know are banger compositions that are going to be something that I can edit. But yeah, every photo I touch is edited because I shot film too. With film, you get a character and an aesthetic right right out when you get the film scans back or the actual negatives back it's already got character when you're shooting digital there's nothing baked into those files if you've ever seen people shoot uh, video and it's like a flat profile and they have to color grade it it's kind of the same thing that i've always thought with digital and it took me a really long time to grasp onto this because i thought it was like cheating like when i started photography i'm like i can't touch any of the colors or mess with anything because it's cheating which could be farther from the truth you know if you ever looked at ansel adams work uh, and he was shooting film. Everything he did was done in the, the dark room, dodging, burning. He would do tricks in the dark room because he wanted to recreate a composition, which is how he saw it out there. And unfortunately, cameras don't perceive how we perceived. And everyone's going to perceive it different, right? If I'm wearing rose colored glasses and driving around and then I take them off, I'm like, well, it doesn't look like how how it just looked like. And it's not going to look the same in my camera. So, yeah, I edit every photo in Lightroom. Rarely go into Photoshop uh, because Lightroom is pretty powerful. I can uh, 
pretty much jazz everything up in there. But yeah, do the colors and tones to my liking uh, and adjust it accordingly. And people might and- might be against that or not, but like, you know, it's my art and that's how I'm I'm bringing it to life. This is I'm trying to share with you my vision and what I saw in that moment. Yeah. And you're doing a lot of educational things on your YouTube channel too. Yes. Uh, you want to yes. talk about what you're doing on your YouTube channel? and For sure. And it's not just that. I, In general, and I, you could probably attest to this too, being a parent, when you become a parent, you're essentially a teacher, whether or not you believe it or not, or even recognize it. Um, and I've always been a fan of that. And people would come to me at work uh, at both the jobs I have. And I know how you do it. Like, how do you do this? They'd always come and ask me. And I was like, I'll just start putting stuff on on YouTube so people could watch it there. Or, you know, I'm thinking I'm helping people. Maybe I'm not. But, you know, there's people that are watching it. So I've always wanted to do that because at the end of the day, and I think I talked about this before, it's like there's something when you help someone, like you get something in return. And I there's something to be said about that. And. Uh, just last fall, actually, my old high school math teacher reached out to me and I'm teaching a photo- intro to photography course at Blackhawk. Uh, and it was scary at first. It's one of those things where it's like, I don't know if I can do this. And I'm like, screw it. I'm going to do it. Because if you don't put yourself in an uncomfortable situation, A, you're not going to know if you can do it. And B, you're never going to grow as a person. So I'm also teaching there. I've got a spring semester coming up here. Um, but I basically, I'll probably be teaching there on and off uh, uh, one semester here and there. Uh, but yeah, I just... I appreciate being able to teach the next generation or the next, whoever's next in line. And that's another thing I had to get over. It goes back to the identity thing. As a 20-year-old kid, it's like, I can't share how I edit anything because I don't want people to copy me. Like, they're going to take up my market share. It's like, if you look, even in Greene County, there are a lot of good photographers in the area. It's like, there's plenty of work to go around. Like, people are going to make money. And I'm going to specialize maybe in uh, nature or like doing that thing. It's like, there's plenty of work to be around. The more you give, the more you get back. And like, let's just go from there. And once I once I switched how I was thinking about things, A, I was a lot less stressed. And B, uh, I could just be myself, I think. Be more myself, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that that's for sure. And yeah, it's it kind of comes back to authenticity. You know, I've watched some of your videos and um, just in this conversation, I can tell you're a very authentic person. Uh, and when I'm looking to follow somebody or, uh, when I listen to podcasts or anything like that, I, I like to see that authenticity and that definitely is coming through, uh, in the videos you put out there and, and all the content that you, you provide. So yeah, I can definitely see that, but you're right. There is a moment like when you're younger where you want to keep that stuff closer to the vest. And, um, it's cool to see that growth moment happen too. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's really awesome. Why do you, I guess if I could ask you, why do you think it is? I always play this game with my wife. It's like, why do you think that is? Because I've recognized it in myself and I've kind of gone past that. But I mean, what are your thoughts? Like, have you had a similar instance where it's like, ah, oh, I just, I wanted to keep things close. And maybe it is like a struggling with identity. Like, I don't know who I am. Or maybe it's imposter syndrome. I don't think I'm good enough to share. Like, I, I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. I've recognized it and I'm still working on it. <laughs> but I can't put my finger on it. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think part of it's just maturity. Just really, you understand okay. a bit more for me, at least. Um, you know, I've had situations at work where I've wanted to keep things closer to the vest, and like, no, I own this. I don't want anybody else to touch it. I want to manage this process or do this thing. But really, what happens is all that knowledge gets put in your head, right? And then it it kind of gets lost 
eventually. Right. Like if you leave or something like that, it gets lost and um, nobody really benefits from that then. And right. so I think part of it is like just as you as you mature and, and grow up, you start to realize like, I don't know, it's not always just for you. I don't, I don't know. That's, and that's a good point. I'm going to elaborate on that too because what you touched yeah. on is what I would go back to too is like, yeah, who is it helping then if you keep it close to your chest like that? Uh, one thing my dad always says too, and for what it's worth, oh, you can't take your money with you, right? And maybe that's a farmer thing. It was like, ah, just because you know, I got to spend money or whatever to buy equipment. You can't take your money with you. If I die, like, I'm like, well, that's so true. And maybe it's the same thing. It's like, well, yeah, if I leave this job or whatever, I mean, who's it going to help? And there's, there's no sense hanging on to things like, especially knowledge. If you can share something that's going to help someone else, like, why not share it? It's not going to hurt you. If anything, it's going to help you. People would then come to you. <laughs> you know, as a reference or as a source of that. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Um, so there's two really interesting things about your background that I want to talk about. Um, so okay. you mentioned your, your drummer, uh, can you talk a little bit about your music background and sounds like you auditioned or almost auditioned for the blue man group. Yes. Twice actually. Um, wow. all right. So, Let's go back. Let's go back to like 12 year old Ross or whatever. And I told you growing up on the farm, I didn't appreciate it. I wanted to do everything to get off of it. One way was to be in band. So in like fifth grade or whatever in Edgerton, you, they test this and oh, listen to this beat. And then is this the same beat or like, I don't know. It's a long thing, but you, you test and they grade you. And like usually the top whatever, get whatever choice they want at instrument. And at the time we went in, they're like, oh, sorry, you weren't one of the ones, but I see on here your first choice was percussion. Well, unfortunately, we're, we can only have seven percussionists. They go through and they have me try out all these things, and I'm pretty bummed. And just, you know, <laughs> I keep going back to my dad, but it's like as a parent, you, you start to appreciate the things that your parents do for you. And he wasn't out of line or rude about it or anything, but we've, we'd finished that half an hour trying out the instruments. And right as we're walking out the door, he's like, you know, the music teacher had just told us, like, make sure you keep him in band because he's gifted and he's going to do things with it. And then the music teacher, like the middle school one's like, what's his name again? Oh, it's Ross Harride. She looked it up. She's like, oh, he's actually number two on the list. So I'm, I'm yeah, I mean, you're, you're percussionist. So anyways, I was percussionist, uh, sixth grade through all the way through high school, drummed a bit, uh, in college and then after college, but it was, uh, right after college, was living at my parents because I was didn't have a proper job. I was getting laid off at Land's End because I was just kind of like peak support. And of all things, I was on Twitter and Blue Man Group was having like open auditions. They said, send in a resume or whatever to this place. And I didn't have a resume. I just, I could drum. So, and there's a second YouTube channel, which I'm not going to promote because it's like my personal like, drumming and drawing on there from like 10 years ago. But I sent them that link and I just said, hey, I'm interested and I, I, I honestly don't even remember what else I put in there. I think I just sent them my YouTube page. They emailed me back like within an hour. They're like, if you can be in LA on whatever day, like April 5th, uh, we have auditions and we'd like to have you out there. I'm like, well, son of a bitch. So <laughs> immediately I'm on like checking flights and stuff. I'm like, how am I going to do this? Well, I knew like when I had studied abroad, like I stayed in hostels and stuff. Are there hostels in LA? Like I'm trying to find all this stuff. I frantically get it all booked up and I was there for like, I think I only booked a flight there and back and I was maybe there for that day or maybe two days. Anyways, I fly out there, have the worst like sinus infection ever. And if you've ever flown before, like just the compression, I mean, mm -hmm. I was killing me. Get to my hostel. 
this is like a dirty thing right off of like Hollywood Boulevard. I had the audition the next day and I go there and it's, it was the most like surreal thing ever. First of all, I thought I was going to get murdered because they, they give you the address and I show up to this place and apparently in the Hollywood scene, like you can just rent out like these like dumpy places for auditions. And I kid you not, it was literally like the size of a closet and it was in a hole in a wall place. There's like six guys that all look similar because, you know, there's a certain criteria. You got to be like between 5'10 and 6'2 to be a blue man. And we're all similar, similar build, everything. Everyone else that's there is like, oh, I came down from San Francisco. Like they're all in like the theater scene. Oh, I'm what, what, uh, what productions have you been a part of? I'm like the fucking hair eyed dairy farm, like in Edgerton, Wisconsin. Like, what am I supposed to say? I don't know. They're like, how did you get here? I'm like, they asked me to come out here. I don't know. So anyways, I go in there and there's a two-part audition. There's the uh, the drumming part, which was easy enough. I worked with their um, drum corps instructor, I guess it was. And she would just basically throw it on rudiments and I'd have to repeat them. And I knew that would be easy enough and I, that was fine. It was the acting portion. That was the second part, which would then explain why all these theater people were there. So I go in there and there's two guys that I'm assuming are the, like the casting guys. And uh, they're, once again, this this places maybe like 15 feet by 20 feet and then there was literally like a little closet they're like go back in the closet when you're ready you're gonna come out and uh we're gonna play a game called gunslinger i'm like okay and they're like you're gonna act out a scene if you were a gunslinger that just walked into a saloon and the guy that just murdered your whole family is sitting at the bar and you want revenge for your family but you can't you're not doing anything with your body you're just acting with your eyes okay go do that and i'm just like what? And I don't know if you've seen Blue Man Group, but I mean, that's kind of what they're doing. They're like all facial stuff. Not really. I mean, they're acting like, but it's, you know, they're, I always think they kind of like look like dogs, like how a dog would like act. Mm -hmm. So I come out here and I'm doing all these, but I can't feel my face. My sinus infection is killing me. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing with my eyes and like, okay, that's good. Let's, and then they had me act out another thing and like, okay, uh, if we want you, we will call you by the end of the day. And I'm like, yeah, about that. My flight leaves in like two hours. It's like, what do you mean your flight leaves? I'm like, I'm from Wisconsin. They're like, why the hell are you here? I'm like, your people told me to come out here. What do you mean? <laughs> so obviously that didn't work out. Um, and then they had another audition maybe a year later in Chicago, which was closer to home. So I drove down there and I showed up and they was just like, you've auditioned with us? And I'm like, yeah. They're like, why are you back? And I'm like, I don't know. I thought it'd be like, this would actually be really cool. I've always thought being a blue man would be cool because A, personality on stage, B, drumming and music, C, no one knows your identity. So if, mm -hmm. if it came to the point where I wanted to have a family and stuff, I would still have my privacy. Like the coolest thing to me, and that was the draw to me, is like I could be a person in this show and no one would know. I wouldn't even have to tell anyone. People would be like, oh, what do you do? I could be like, yeah, I'm an accountant at Joe Blows. You know, They would mm -hmm. never have to know. So that was the draw for me uh, for Blue Man Group. And obviously it didn't pan out, probably for the better, because if uh, I got that, I probably wouldn't have ended up in Monroe. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You got some awesome stories out of that, though. Oh, for sure. For sure. I, I didn't even tell you half of it. Man, I ate Arby's for like six meals because I was just, <laughs> it goes back to, I hadn't, I had studied abroad, but it's like I'd never been in like LA. And I don't know if you've ever mm -hmm. been in LA, but like it's it's kind of a sketchy, scary area. And if you're there by yourself, it's like, I thought about, I'm like, I should have brought my knife, but then I'm like, how would I have gotten that on the plane? Like, I have no idea how I'd get here. Uh, so yeah, it was pretty, it is pretty surreal. But yeah, definitely stories for sure. Oh, nice. And then you audition for Big Brother, huh? I'm a big, I'm a, I like Big Brother a lot. Yeah. And for the longest time, this goes back to like, 
maybe the maturity level. I hadn't shared this with anyone for years until honestly this year with co-work, a few select coworkers. And then I had that post uh, as like an introduction to myself. This actually all started. Uh, I've loved the show. I've watched the show with my mom since it came out in like 2000. So when I turned 21, I applied right away and I just sent them a video. I, I, at that time, I think you actually sent in like a DVD or whatever before they had online submissions. I sent it in. I was a senior at college and I don't have a, let's see. Yeah, I didn't have a smart, I had a flip phone at the time. I'm sitting in my senior project class at Stout and I get a phone call. I'm like, well, that's weird. I'm like, it's like a 941, not, not, not. I, for the, the area code I didn't recognize and I knew how to apply it. So I'm like, oh, what is this? I let it go to voicemail and they're like, the, this is so-and-so with like Big Brother. You need to call us back like right away. I'm like, oh shit. Like my heart is like, I'm like, this is surreal. It's happening. It's happening. I go outside, take the call. It wasn't happening, but it, I made it to semifinals the first time that I had auditioned. And all that entails is like I had to go down to Chicago and basically do on air or on camera questions and stuff. So from that point on, from my first go, I kind of had my foot in the door. And then ever since then, I've had varying success <laughs> over the years. And it was actually, what year was it? Maybe 2013. I was actually a finalist to be on the show. But I was one of... I want to say 20 guys left. So like I was actually pretty close to it then. Um, I forget what's, are you pretty familiar with the show? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, the season that Spencer Clausen was on, do you remember that guy? He was the railroad conductor, big uh, red beard, kind of a husky oh, guy. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. So yep. he was my competition because all through the, the, when I actually met with the producers and everything, they were just fascinated with the red beard. I had a curly mustache. They're like, how long does it take you to do that in the morning? So like I knew, I was typecast. I, basically, they wanted someone with a red beard. And when I didn't get on the show that year, the, the casting person that was with me through that whole process basically said there were too many redheads in the house. And if you think mm-hmm. about it, the guy that won that season was Andy. I think he was the mm-hmm. redhead that won it. There's the redhead beard guy. And I think there was actually a third one. But I'm like, yeah, that didn't that didn't pan out. Once again, very unique experience. I mean, yeah. you're going through psych tests when you're out there. I mean, I literally i can't talk about all the details but i can say psych tests uh there's you literally go to a a hotel room and there's a doctor that's taking like urine samples blood samples Uh, let's see you take a wonderlick test which is like the test that they give to everyone that's at the nfl combine to basically measure your iq i think uh so they put you through the ringer and i was out in a hotel in california for five days and I knew I wasn't getting on because they said you're going to be here between seven and 10 days, depending on like the process. And on the fifth day they cut me and I'm like, ah, it's not happening. And the guy that's like handling the handler is like, Oh no, like we just need you. If we want you, like we'll have you, we'll send out more stuff or whatever. And I, I knew it wasn't happening, but very interesting um, experience there too, because you can't leave your room. You have set times mm-hmm. where, because it's so secretive. If you, you've familiar with like, you can't talk about anything. And it's just, um, yeah. yeah, it was a pretty unique experience. And I'm pretty much accepted the fact that it's not probably going to happen, which is why I've kind of been talking about it in the last year or so. So, yeah, yeah, well, I love that, that show next, too. So, well, give it, give it another shot, and maybe you'll get thrown in, thrown in now. That'd be we'll that'd see. be pretty fun. <laughs> awesome. I get older and uglier each day, Corey. It's not going to happen. <laughs> The the physical comps probably would would start taking a toll at some point in time. Oh yeah, <laughs> awesome. 
Um, is there anything else you want to add about what you're doing with uh, Second Crop Creative and some of the services you have? I don't think so. I think it's been a great conversation. I mean, I'd like to get to know you more. I mean, maybe we go grab a beer sometime. Especially, I didn't like I yeah. said, I didn't know much about you before this conversation. Um, yeah. No, like I said, I, if people are interested in shooting, just, I mean, you got to get out there and do the work with, with anything, though. Like, if you're interested in wanting to play, like, the, be the best disc golfer, like, you just got to get out and do it, right? Yeah, for sure. How can people find, how can the listeners uh, find your social media or um, support you in any way? Definitely. So I'm most active, as you know, on Instagram and my Facebook page, because those are pretty much linked up. And it's just at Second Crop Creative on Instagram. And then if you just look up Second Crop Creative on Facebook, it should come up. Uh, and if you haven't seen, I've been, I sh- here's another thing that <laughs> I had to get over for the longest time. It's like, oh, I have such good content. People are going to share my work. Well, it's like, if people don't see the work, they're not going to share it. So I try to share my stuff uh, in some of the groups on Facebook. And I don't know if you're part of the Monroe group, but once in a while, I'll, if it's relevant, I'll share it in the Monroe group. Um, but yeah, those are kind of the, the two that I'm at. I have like a Twitter and a TikTok, but honestly, I'm too old for that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Cool. Well, I if you don't have anything else to add, I have some rapid fire questions and a couple of questions to wrap us up. Definitely. Let's do All it. All right. First, first rapid fire question. Uh, what's your favorite restaurant in Wisconsin? Ooh, we were just talking pregame here. Favorite restaurant in Wisconsin? Can I can I put this in two groups? Yeah. In terms of like fast food and, and sit down. Huge fan of Culver's, obviously. I mean, the butter burger, give me a break. And their spicy crispy chicken basket. Mm. Good good stuff. And then uh, a sit down. I am very fond of uh, the Glarner Stube in New Glarus. Now I know it's not Monroe. Ponchos and Lefty is a close second, but the Glarner Stube, if there's a special event like an anniversary or my wife's birthday, we're probably going there just to splurge and have a nice Swiss meal. Uh, Yeah, so those are the two, I think. Awesome. Uh, What's your favorite event in Wisconsin? Ooh, favorite event in Wisconsin. That's a tough one. You should have given me these ahead of time. (laughs) Uh, I mean, obviously, if the Packers go to the Super Bowl, I don't know if that counts. Um, but any of the festivals, right? So obviously, there's cheese days here. Um, hometown days in Fitchburg. Stoughton has Set in Amai. Uh, Edgerton has Tobacco Heritage Days. The the hometown festivals, I think, is where it's happening in Wisconsin. And I don't, I'm, maybe other parts of the country probably have that. But like, there's something unique about the hometown local festivals in Wisconsin. And it goes back to that community feeling. Uh, it just, I don't think there's anything that beats it. Yeah, I definitely agree. All right, last rapid fire one. Uh, where's your favorite place to hang out in Wisconsin? Oof, hang out. That's tricky too because I would just say, well, I just drive around in my car to take photos. Um, I'm going to cheat on this one. I think any of the natu- like uh, the park systems. I Every year, like when it's January 1st, I go out and buy a sticker right away just to get my money's worth. Uh, mm-hmm. and then I like finding new ones and there's actually, I think there's a girl on Inst- Instagram that I follow. Like she tried to do all of them or she has done all of them. I think that's a great uh, way to see the state. So the park system for sure, uh, that's kind of a cop-out answer, but uh, I'm a sucker for nature and hiking and trails and it's a great family activity, especially if you got young kids and stuff, tire those little kiddos out, uh, and get mm-hmm. them back in the car. Awesome. That's awesome. All right. Two final questions here. Uh, Definitely. then we'll wrap up. 
How has Wisconsin helped shape you into who you are today? Oh, I think we nailed that right away at the beginning. I think growing up on a dairy farm, uh, which is an easy one because I had that luxury. Not everyone has that luxury. Uh, but then also the community aspect of Edgerton and Monroe. When you have yourself surrounded by good people like that, I think it helps um, bring you into the person that you are. You know, the whole nature versus nurture thing, right? Uh, so A, dairy farm. B, that community, that real sense of community. Awesome. All right. Last question for you. I ask everybody on the podcast here, ties back into Wisco legacy. When all is said and done, what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? Yes. Okay. So this is a hard one too. Honestly, I think I'm going to, I'm going to try to answer this and maybe not a roundabout way, but I think why I was always drawn to like art design, photography, all that stuff is because I think that is kind of what I want to leave behind, or that's my legacy, my Wisco legacy. Uh, from an early age, I don't know if it was a fascination or a fear with death, but it's like, okay, after I'm gone, like what's left? And so what I want to leave behind is a, a positive mark on society. Now, if that's photography, great. If that's video work, awesome. If it's helping out the community, even better. Like, I think people need to strive for that. It's like, you're not, you're only got here a limited time, right? You're only here for a limited time. What can you leave behind that's going to positively influence, influence the people that come after you. And for me, like, obviously that's my family and family's first. So instill a good work ethic, get them interested in something that they have a passion about, and then just tell them you need to pursue it at all costs and just have fun. Don't take things too seriously. And just like, kind of, like I said earlier, you just got to roll with the punches and uh, make it work, I guess. Yeah. Well, that's, that's awesome. I can definitely see, uh, the passion that you have for everything you do, um, your photography, your video work. Um, even just in this conversation here and you talk about your family, uh, I can, I can sense that passion and, and you're definitely doing a really great job and striving for that legacy. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, I appreciate, and I appreciate the opportunity to come on here. And I think what you're doing is great because I think people have stories to tell. And as far as I can tell, you're doing a good job of finding, finding the right people to tell their story. Well, I appreciate that. Anything else before we, we sign off here? I, I do want to ask you that question I asked you earlier. So I go to yeah. ponchos and lefties all the time. And those of you that are listening that aren't from the area, this ain't going to make sense. But I get the Kundert there, and it shares the same last name. Now, I've seen Kunderts all over Monroe. Is it just a big family in this area? Because I, I, I'm not from the area, so you got to let me know. What's the secret here? What's the secret sauce? Yeah. Yeah. So unfortunately it's not named after, after me or anybody in my immediate family, okay. but there are a lot of Kunderts around the area. There's a couple different families here. And from what I've, what I've heard, um, and I don't know this to be a fact, but from what I heard, um, Jason Kundert, uh, came in and wanted something like that. And, okay. uh, that's what, that's what they, they created that based on what he, he wanted to order and, um, put it on the menu and it's been a, a staple ever since. So, <sighs> Uh, I wish, I wish there was a, a stronger connection. It's pretty cool to, to walk in there and see that on the, on the menu, but. Well, you know, the next time me. you meet someone like me, just own it be like, yeah, yeah, that's, okay. I went in and I ordered this and they just, <laughs> they just named it the Kunder. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. That's awesome. All right, Ross, it's been a really awesome time talking to you. Thanks for joining Wisco Legacy. Thank you so much, Corey. Thank you out to Ross for a great conversation with me right here at Wisco Legacy. If you want to follow Ross's work, uh, head out to Facebook and Instagram and look up Second Crop Creative and follow his pages there. 
and look up his YouTube page. It's also Second Crop Creative. He's got some really cool stuff out there as well. Uh, Again, if you like this podcast, head out to Apple Podcasts, give us a rating and review, and head out to our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn pages and give us a follow there. Uh, Thanks for tuning in to Wisco Legacy.